Revelation chapter 1. It is time to dive in. We teased this series out back in the fall and through Christmas. It is finally time to crack open our Bibles and to dive in. But before we do that, I just want to say a couple quick things. First of all, to our campuses, Coastal and South Church, thank you for letting me jump in on this. Uh, this was something I sensed early on as I prayed for this series that I, I wanted to preach this. Uh, I felt uniquely called that I would dive in, that I would study. And for the first time ever, I would record the sermons for the campuses for an entire series. Now, this may not work. Uh, I said to you before in a little teaser video, this is an experiment. We're going to try something. I wanted to bring a word to you guys as our church family. But I'll also tell you, we're praying for what God might have next for our campuses. We are wondering when and where the next campuses might pop up. And maybe something like this could be a tool when we plant new sites. So Coastal and South, as always, we love trying new things and we're going to try them with you. So thank you for letting me join you. Thank you for letting me preach. Thank you. Uh, to Jay and Tom, thank you guys as well. When I pitched this idea to you, you were quick to dive in. You were quick to be supportive. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for lending your people to me for a few moments. Make no mistake about it. You two are the campus pastors, and I'm praying for you today. Specifically, uh, to Jay and to Tom, I'm praying that while you get to sit in with your people, I'm praying that you get a fresh word from Jesus while you sit and receive a word. The second thing I'm praying for you, Jay, and for you, Tom, specifically, is that uh, while you sit and while you receive, I'm praying that helps you be able to lead your people out of the overflow of your heart. Uh, of all the things your people need from you, they need to know and they need to see that you've been with Jesus. So I'm praying for the campuses. I'm praying for the campus pastors. Uh, and I'm also praying for this. I'm praying you all brought your Bible brought your notebook and brought a pen because we're going to dive into Revelation. We're going to have an awesome time together and we're going to start right now. So Coastal Church and South Church, grab your Bibles because here we go. Revelation chapter 1 verse 1. I'm reading from the ESV. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known to them by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Christ, Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. If you noticed, no shocking imagery, no beasts, no horsemen, no multi-headed creatures. Not here, not yet. No 666, no 144,000, no tribulation. Not here, not yet. No lakes of fire, no bloody battles, no Armageddon. Not here, not yet. Do they come later? They absolutely do. But, if, but they aren't here, not yet. And if we try to go there before we go here... We're going to find ourselves into a very sticky place in the book. We want to go where John, and more specifically, Jesus leads us to go. So we start here. We start where John starts. We start where Jesus starts. And here starts like this, the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles and you have your pens, 
underline the revelation of Jesus Christ, says Revelation. So Coastal Church and South Church, say it with me, Revelation. All right, Coastal South, one more time. Say it loudly, say it with me, Revelation. Did you notice it's singular and not plural? This is a revelation. Does it have windows and layers and multiple visions and imagery? Absolutely. But they all make up one revelation. This is not a collection of revelations. This is a singular revelation. But you also notice it says a revelation of Jesus Christ. This is a revelation of Jesus by Jesus, and about Jesus. It was given to him from God for us. Now, I need to pause for a second. This might be a helpful word for many of you. If this book intimidates you, if this book has made you nervous, if you have found some of the startling imagery uh, shocking and made you lean back from the book, could I just say to you, take it back to Jesus and fix your eyes on him. But on the other side, if you're prone to obsess and predict and try to figure everything out, and maybe you'd even claim you're an expert in such things, may I also just say to you, take it back to Jesus. Can I ask you, in all the things you have figured out, does that actually increase your worship of Jesus? This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, the other thing I want to pull out in those first few words is that it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ in the title of the book is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And some of your Bibles might say uh, the revelation of John, but more accurately, if they're going to say anything, it'd be a revelation to John or a revelation of Jesus Christ. But what if we just played with the words slightly? What if we took the word revelation out and we put the word that John uses in the spot of revelation? Because in your Bible and my Bible, it probably says revelation, but, but the Greek word is apocalypse. So it could say the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. Now, apocalypse could stir up all kinds of images, all kinds of ideas. But the Greek word apocalypse means to unveil, to a revealing, a disclosure of truth. So let's try it again. If we go from the revelation of Jesus Christ and we try the apocalypse of Jesus Christ, what if we went one step further and said, this is the unveiling of Jesus Christ? Does that change how you approach the book? Does that kind of shift? If you hold this book in your hand, whatever opinion you have of it and whatever reactions you've had with it over your journey, what if we tried this one? the disclosure of truth of Jesus Christ. It very well could shift how you approach. It very well could change the way you handle the book in front of you. This is an unveiling of Jesus Christ and what he wants to show John and what he wants John to tell us, which means we should be asking the question, what does he want to show us? Three things pop up uh, under the book as you read it. Uh, themes you see as you look for what is the unveiling of Jesus, what is he pointing to uh, when he is revealed. Uh, Firstly, you see uh, a ton of pastoral concerns. Jesus calls the Christian church to faithfully follow him in the face of trials, 
opposition and compromise. Next week, we're going to use the word tribulation, but we're not there yet. We're here. So the pastoral concern, Jesus calls the Christian church to faithfully follow him in the face of trials, opposition, and compromise. This is full of pastoral concern. But you also find, uh, as Jesus is unveiled, there is a prophetic call. Jesus shows us that things are not as they seem. There's more going on in the world than our physical senses can perceive. So this book is full of prophetic calls. The third thing you will see is, is, an, is an apocalyptic message. Jesus is going to pull back the curtain on the cosmic battle that has been taking place all around us. It has been taking place, it is taking place, and it will take place until one day when Jesus stands victorious and invites us to stand with him. All of this is all through this apocalypse of Jesus Christ. The other thing you see in our passage in the first verse is that uh, this is a revelation to show his servants the things much soon take place. Now here's where the debate starts. How soon? Soon by what or whose standards? Soon like in John's day? Soon like in Martin Luther's day? Soon like in our day, 1900 years later? At the end of verse 3, John's going to even go a little bit further and say, for the time is near. So in these first three verses, you have the phrase soon and the time is near. And so begins the debate. When was this book written for? When is it speaking of? Which era is it pointing to? What does soon and what does near mean? And all the debates break loose. Can I just pause the sermon for just a moment? One of the things we're going to do often through this sermon series, and if you come to our small group on Wednesdays at South Church, uh, you're going to hear this again. Diving into a book like this uh, causes anxiety in a lot of pastors and a lot of people because of all the debates that happen. So here's how we're going to do it as a church family at Yarmouth Wesleyan, Coastal, and South Church. As I was praying and preparing, I have what I've been calling five rules of revelation. So here they are. Here's how we're going to engage in this book, which is full of debate. First thing we're going to do as we go through revelation is we're going to study, not speculate. Church, we're going to study, not speculate. We're going to go through and we're going to study what we have in front of us. We're not going to guess or speculate what the book says. We're going to study. The second thing I want you to understand as we go through this book is that revelation is for everyone. I think there are times that people feel ill-equipped, they feel ill-prepared, uh, they feel lesser than, that they can't understand it, and so they punt that responsibility to other people. May I just say to you, this is a book for everyone. This book was first written to illiterate, uneducated people, and it was for them. Scholars have been studying it since it was written. And it was written for them. And it was written for everybody in between. So whether you think you are the least equipped or the most equipped, we can come to the book of Revelation. Third thing I want to say to you is that uh, we're going to read it before we debate it. I think there are a lot of people who want to debate the book that they haven't read yet. You can read this. It is for you. And what I would recommend, if I may, why not commit through this sermon series to read one chapter of Revelation a day. 
We're talking mere minutes. Why not once a day sit down and read one chapter through? There's 22 chapters. We're going to be in this series for a while. Why not tackle one chapter a day? Or if you're not the reading type, why don't you get an app or go online and have uh, a program read the book of Revelation to you? I sat down last week and had version Bible app read me the book of Revelation. I sat down, carved out two hours, had a coffee. It took half that time. I did all 22 chapters, well, I should say. I sat and I listened to all 22 chapters in just barely more than an hour. You could do that once a week. Once a week, we could listen to the entire book, all 22 chapters. What might God say to us if we read it before we debate it? Fourth thing I want to say about rules of revelation for how we're going to do this is grace in the differences. Um, I'm not sure there's any book of the Bible that is prone to make people argue and debate and, dare I say, attack each other like the book of Revelation. I'm not sure there's been a book weaponized more with people fighting against people over theories of what's found in the book of Revelation, or if I could even say what's not found there. So what we're going to do as a church family is we're going to give wide margins in the minors. In the majors, we're going to hold near and dear, but in the minors, we're going to give a lot of grace for people to understand we don't know everything in this book. I've got a stack of books in my office that must be three feet high of, in, of brilliant anointed scholars who humbly admit, I'm not sure. There's a lot of mystery here. And so we are not going to drive our heels in the ground, arrogantly declaring that we have the sole corner on truth. We're going to have grace in the differences. And the fifth thing I would say as we engage in this book is uh, come to the small group. Um, come on Wednesday nights at 630 to the Coastal family. I know that might be a bit of a drive. So Jay's got a small group set up for you guys in Barrington. But for the Yarmouth crowd and the Yarmouth County people, we're going to meet at South Church at 6.30 on Wednesday nights. The weeks I preach on Revelation, we're going to dig into the nuances and some of the nitty-gritty parts down there. I say that to say, if you want to have coffee with me one-on-one to discuss this book, I can't do that. There's going to be 400 people with 400 opinions who are going to want to have a coffee to discuss those 400 ideas, and I can't. I know my limitations. Therefore, we have this small group. Bring all of your ideas, yes, even the crazy ones. Come on down to our small groups at South Church or at Coastal, and we have all the time that that night allows to wrestle and dig and pull, but I can't do one-on-one with everybody because I can't. So we're going to have fun that way. All right, unpause. Back to the message. Soon these things must take place. We could argue and we could debate about when is this soon. I think a better question is, what did John mean when he said soon? And the word John uses for soon means immediately. Now, if you reread that verse, he made it known. Oh, sorry, I, I skipped ahead of verse. God gave him to show to his servants the things that must immediately take place. Immediately. This is relevant immediately when he wrote it to his people in that day, and it remains relevant to the church. But he says, soon, immediately. The third thing we see, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
It's going to unveil the things that must soon or Im immediately take place. And the third thing I want to point out in this message is the multiple blessings that are promised. Did you see that in verse 3? For a book that most people, and I would be in this camp, that I avoided it for a huge chunk of my life, I missed verse 3. Verse 3 says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Here's the blessings. First, blessed is the reader. If you're curious, that's me today. I got myself a blessing. I read this passage out loud, and the, and the Bible says, blessed is the one who reads it out loud. It was meant to be read out loud. It was meant to be heard, even experienced when it was first written. And so John says there is a blessing for the reader. There's a blessing for the one who reads this book out loud. The second blessing is for the hearer. That's you. Blessing for those who read. Blessing for those who hear. God's word does not come back void. There is blessing in reading the word and reading it out loud. There's blessing for hearing and soaking in the word. I think there are times people stop doing their devotions, their, their daily time with God, and they say things like, I didn't get anything out of it. I'm not sure that's the first point. I think we missed the first point, that there is blessings sown in for the reading and the hearing of the word that might not be quantifiable to you and to me. It's just a fact. Soaking in the word, being in the word, and can I even say getting the word in you does bring blessing. It just does. The third one is a bit different. Blessed is the reader. Blessed is the hearer. Then it says blessed is the keeper. Now, if you've read James before, James would say uh, doing the word or doers of the word. John says keepers. I read it to you. You heard it. What we don't know is will you and I keep it? See, the, the tension of this entire book from chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to the end, please hear me clearly in all the symbols in all the noise, in all the images, in all the beauty, all the horror, all the battles, please hear this. The call to the church is will we be keepers of the word? That's it. Will we be faithful followers of Jesus in that day, this day, and the day to come? Will we be faithful followers of Jesus when times are good, when times are trying, when times are difficult. See, there's a blessing in the, in, this, in the reading it. There's a blessing in the hearing it. But the ultimate blessing is found in those who are keepers of the word. So church, we're going to have a, quite a walk through this book. We're going to journey verse by verse. We're going to get into shocking imagery. We're going to get into horsemen and beasts and multi-headed creatures. We're going to get into 666. We're going to get into 144,000. We're going to get into the tribulation. We're going to tackle lakes of fire and bloody battles in Armageddon. But today, we're not there. Today, we're here. And here, for coastal and for south, here's my prayer for you today. Can we 
or more specifically, will you seek to see Jesus more clearly? No matter what you read, no matter what chapter you're in, no matter what commentary you're reading, no matter what pastoral book you are reading about this book of Revelation, may I ask you, will you seek to see Jesus more clearly? Secondly, will you commit yourself today? Will you commit today to faithfully following Jesus Christ in this day, in that day, and in the days to come? Thirdly, church, as we go through this series, are you prepared to receive a blessing? Not just intellectual know-how, not just to become smarter in this book, Will you actually get ready to receive a blessing that he has for you in his revelation? It's his. So he wants to bless you. Are you ready to receive a blessing in his revelation? The revelation of Jesus Christ.